0: Welcome back to the Institute of World Mission Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ott, and today we are about to be treated with a missionary story. I'm always looking forward to these stories. They inspire us. They fill our emotional cups. They truly teach us. As a missionary community, we are honored by the contribution of those of us who are willing to share how God led them and shaped them in the cross-cultural mission assignment. Today, it is our honor and joy to hear the story of Joanne Kim. Joanne currently serves as a development director for a school project in Mongolia. Joanne is interviewed by Inid Harris, Institute of World Mission Assistant Director and the leader for the Missionary Story series here on the IWM Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org/podcast to view this podcast show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field.
2: Well, good evening, Joanne, and uh, for you is good morning. <laughs> I just want to welcome you um, to this podcast, and I'm so thankful that you're willing to share your story and your experience with those who will be listening, and uh, I'm actually excited to hear your experience. Uh, You have been working in Mongolia and um, as a missionary, and so I'm going to ask you, what took you to Mongolia? Share with us a little bit about (laughs) yourself and your family, and then what took you to Mongolia?
1: Okay. Well, it's kind of hard to say because you have to distinguish between what took me to Mongolia the first time versus the second time. And this is now uh, me returning to Mongolia, actually. And the reason for the call is that I was one of the pioneer missionaries who helped establish the Adventist church there in the early 1990s. Mm -hmm. And uh, I stayed there almost five years that time and uh, really grew to understand and appreciate the culture and the people there and i also learned the language fluently and that made huge differences and that's one of the reasons why i was called back Um, the other is that my background is in education and um, the position i've been called back to is as the education and development director for the mission Uh, the church went from zero members when i was there in early 1990 i'm sorry in 1992 and um, now we have well over 3,000 members, second and oh, even wow. third generation uh, Adventists there who need Adventist education. Mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, that's why I'm there to uh, push forward our Adventist education there and to help establish a new school.
2: Wonderful. You said I. So I take it you were a single missionary at the time when you went out the first time. And then the second yeah. time you are with your family. Correct. Um, and your missionary kids as well. So yes. um, thank you for taking on this assignment uh, or appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, God directed you back to Mongolia. You he did. A, and the timing have, was
1: just mm-hmm. according to his will.
2: <laughs> yes. And the fact that you, you learned the language, it's just a double blessing for, for yourself and for the church and for the people that you're going to serve. So I know you have lots to share. Uh, but you probably have something that you really feel that God has burdened you with to share with us this evening. So um, let's hear what it is that you have to share with us. Uh, some of the challenges maybe that you faced. Well, I wanted to
1: um, share a little bit about my biggest challenge when I first went to Mongolia. You are correcting it. I was single. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had just graduated from college and uh, had, they had to wait till I turned 21 so I could legally go there and be considered an adult and on my own. And when I went, you know, I had all these idealistic um, notions of what uh, mission work would be like. And I was going to go there and, you know, preach the gospel, bring people to salvation. Everything would just be smooth sailing. <laughs> and, um, Youth and optimism go hand in hand and and it's not a bad thing, but when it's uh, hit straight on by reality and some really uh, difficult challenges, um, it can become overwhelming. And um, I don't think it's necessarily only for young people. I think that's still the case now as it was nearly 30 years ago. But um, my biggest challenge when I got there was um, that I had so many run-ins with drunks that i really grew to fear the people Um, back then mongolia was post-communist by only a year and um, they used to brag oh you know the russians taught us how to drink vodka but now we can out drink them I, I don't necessarily that's much to brag about. <laughs> and, um, they were quite proud of it, but alcoholism was a huge problem because the economy had crashed. The Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, was no longer around to bail them out. They had no capital, um, capitalist-style economy, no free economy, nothing. So they were dependent on government subsidies. The economy was in shambles, and so people took to drinking even more. Mm-hmm. So the situation was such that almost every time I went out, um, I had some horrible run in with um, drunks. And this was from day one. I, I, I think on an average, I could safely say I was assaulted. Um, at least once a week. (gasps) Um, Some of the situations were a lot more dire than others. But a couple that my kids love to hear about is the funny stories are the time I went to the open air black market, you know, foreigners didn't get ration cards. So we had to buy food on the black market. And I went and uh, a man just from out of nowhere took an umbrella and just started hitting me in the Mm. head. Mm. And I didn't speak any Mongolian. I was scared to death. And I, you know, I was screaming. I I couldn't understand what was going on. Uh, A fellow missionary who was there with me, uh, Brad Jolly, who is a good friend. uh, He tried in his broken, stumbling Mongolian to ask what was going on. Apparently this man said that I was his runaway daughter-in-law. So (gasps) There are definite advantages to looking like the, uh, the yeah, locals, yes. but there are definite disadvantages too. <laughs> I looked Mongolian, but I was not. I couldn't speak it. And so I was unable to defend myself. And And basically, uh, you know, he had to try to extricate me from this horrible situation. And, and neither of us could really explain what was going on. So I was just shielding myself and trying to protect myself from getting beaten. Well, I went... Back to my apartment, and very shaken, very scared, you know, nervous about going out again. But you know, the goal was to go out and interact with the people and learn the language. And yet I was too scared to go out because wow. I didn't want to have another incident. Um, I felt strongly that the people there um, were very selfish and self-centered. Nobody tried to intervene that this young girl was getting beaten. They all just kind of turned a blind eye. And then one day on the bus, um, I had just learned to ride the bus by myself. And I was very proud of myself. And sure enough, a young drunk man came over and decided I was his girlfriend and started mauling me. And I was screaming the, the couple words that I knew at that time, mittu kui, mittu kui, I don't know. <laughs> and toslare, toslare, help me. Everybody just turned away. Nobody wanted to get involved. And then a little grandmother came by and smacked the young man and started yelling at him. I I didn't know what it was, but then she went to the bus driver, started yelling at him. And then finally she pointed out a couple of people and they threw him off the bus. And uh, I was never so grateful uh, in my life. I was, I felt truly touched. And, you know, she just came over and patted me on the back. We couldn't communicate, but I went home and again, I was so scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really didn't want to go out anymore. Then um, one of the, the worst incidents um, where I truly feel my guardian angel protected me was when four drunks uh, dragged me away down an alley um, by myself from a bus stop. There were dozens of other people around and I was screaming for help, nobody came to my aid. And Brad's wife, Kathy, they were the other couple that were there with me. Um, she's even more petite than I am. The two of us were fighting to, to get away. The the guys were dragging me one way, and she was trying to drag me the other way. There was no contest, two young girls against, mm-hmm. you know, four grown men who were drunk to boot. And I just remembered praying, Lord, help us, please help us. And uh, all of a sudden, they, they blanched, and they threw us on the ground and just started running away. I mean, just crazy, will-nilly. And, and we looked around thinking somebody had come to our aid. There was nobody there, but we knew at that moment that our guardian angels had come to save us. Wow. But unfortunately, after that incident, I was pretty much scarred for life. And I thought, you know, I, I told Brad and Kevin, I said, I want to go home. You know, this is not what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can't even do anything before I get assaulted. I just walk outside and I get assaulted. And the bizarre thing was it never once happened to Brad or Kathy. Um, I don't know if it's because since they're Caucasian, they felt, oh, they're foreigners. We better not touch them. And I was fair game because I looked Mongolian mm-hmm. or if maybe they had been there a little earlier than I was. So they spoke a little bit and they were able to communicate. I'm not really sure. Or maybe, and this has been something that I thought about often, Satan knew what my weak point was. And he knew that this mm-hmm. fear, this this horrible fear was going to win. And so... um. I, I really, I, I cried all the time. And I just remember telling Brad and Kathy, you know, I, I, I give up. I want to go home. <laughs> and then there was one tipping stone. And this really, it was a do or die situation. I lived um, on the third floor of an apartment and Brad and Kathy lived um, upstairs. And I had a very flimsy wooden door. And my neighbor, who was drunk, mistook my apartment for his and tried to get in. When I wouldn't open the door, he got furious and he actually kicked the door down. Mm -hmm. And um, I was alone in the apartment and very, very scared. I used a broomstick to fight him off. And then I realized I couldn't do it. So I started banging on the ceiling. And sure enough, that's when Brad came down Mm -hmm. and he helped me. But that, for me, was the straw that broke the cow's back. I said, I'm done. I, if, if I'm not even
2: safe in my own home. What a challenge you had. In, enough to discourage, um, you know, Satan was really trying to discourage you. It was a case of mistaken identity in some cases, maybe. And then in some cases, you might have reminded them of someone or, yeah. But, oh, my, the, the devil really knew how to discourage you. How did you deal? I mean, you said you were there five years. And so. remember this
1: all this all took place within the first three months. It really came down to the wire when I, I just refused to even step out of my room. And I remember that Brad uh, came and he sat down and he was talking to me and he said, Joanne, did you come all this way to witness to your closet? And I said, no but neither did I come all this way to get assaulted and beaten every week. Mm-hmm. And I said, Brad, I'm, I'm just scared. I am too scared to do anything. And, mm-hmm. and you know what? How can I help these people when I fear them and I, and I hate them. I, I just, I really hated them. Mm-hmm. I thought, who are these people and why are they so evil and wicked? And, you know, and I, I knew deep in the recesses of my heart, oh, but God loves them too. And I said, well, I don't care. God can love them. I don't want to love them. It was oh. really, really challenging. And um, I had told them that I wanted to quit and go back. And I remember Brad saying again, if you quit now, you're letting Satan win. And, mm. and then these were the words that he told me that really made me stop and think and pray. He said, you know, why would Satan be working so hard to get you out of here unless he knew that you had the potential to do great work for God here?
2: That was so powerful words. They really were. And how did you how did you react to I, I really had to stop and
1: pray then? I said, Lord, oh, mm-hmm. and this is the hardest part. And I think this is hard for everybody. Not my will but thine be done. Oh, yes. And so I said, Okay, Lord, you know. I'm scared of these people. And you know what? I, I don't love them. <laughs> so it's really hard to, to treat them the way that you would want me to treat them. You're going to have to change my heart. And, and loving, um,
2: trying to love the unlovely. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's
1: hard enough to love people who are nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, very, very difficult to love people who we really, from an objective point of yes. view, don't oh, deserve yeah. it. <laughs> so I told God, I said, all right, listen. You need to number one, change my heart, and number two, you need to equip me to deal with this because I, I can't live with this constant fear. Mm-hmm. And, um, the amazing thing here is I would love to be able to say, Oh, and then miraculously, I was mm-hmm. never, you know, bothered by drunks again, but it didn't work out that way. They continued mm-hmm. constant assaults mm-hmm. all, all the time, but the Lord, um, gave me two special tools to deal with that. Okay. And number one is a miracle that I uh, I love to share with um people everywhere. And um I call it the gift of tongues. Really the Lord oh, right. blessed me. The Holy Spirit came and granted me with the special gift to be able to learn Mongolian at lightning express speed. My <laughs> um, wow, 3 months I was teaching Mongolian. I'm sorry, I was teaching bible in mongolian
2: is that right Um, i don't think
1: yes i don't think even the most gifted linguists could learn mongolian in three months um to be able to teach bible in mongolian and without studying it without ever having a background in in mongolian language was truly a miracle and because of that gift i was able to at least explain situations when when Mm -hmm. they when they arose Um, I was able to defend myself verbally Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to request help from whoever was around and and try to explain no I'm not his runaway daughter-in-law no I am not his girlfriend or his daughter or um, Mm -hmm. that made a huge difference I felt less helpless I knew that at least I was able to talk and and uh, communicate with other people and the other one that he sent me, a couple friends. And by engaging with Mongolian people who I could relate to and become friendly with, he made me realize, oh, those drunks are not the entire Mongolian population. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of deserving and lovable Mongolians here as well who need to hear my word. Praise the Lord for that. Yes, so those two tools made all the difference and that's why instead of leaving after three months (laughs) i stay nearly five years
2: wow that was a real trial by fire baptism by fire i should say right right it really was and and, you know you this is crazy um Mm -hmm. it's been about
1: three years now since i went back the second time to mongolia Mm
2: -hmm. you wouldn't
1: believe it satan uses his same repertoire of tricks
2: Mm
1: -hmm. i have been assaulted by drunks again again no longer a pretty young thing but still getting assaulted by drunks on a regular basis and i'm the only one it just it makes no rational sense none of the other uh even korean even Uh korean missionaries none of them have ever been assaulted we'll be in a big group of you know um our missionary people our young local church people and whatever there'll be one drunk in that area. And he'll make a beeline for me. Definitely something that Satan knows is a weak point.
2: Well, I tell you, you said that you realized as long as you feared them, you could never really learn to love them. And, you know, this is when I saw this, that you had written this, I thought, wow, that's profound. And so you had to pray about this and how to deal with these people. And, uh, you know, it reminded me of this verse in Luke 6, love your enemies do good to them to those who hate you Amen. bless those who curse you pray for those who mistreat you and you know here you are back in mongolia working there again and uh, in spite of all the other challenges that you have faced you could quite easily have gone back or gone somewhere else but god need you in mongolia and um, the fact that you speak the language is also a great great blessing so, how are you doing now with your? You know, you're you're still getting these threats or assaults. Are you just learning to cope with it? You well, know? it's. Um, I
1: usually carry around at least an umbrella <laughs> to be able to ward off any um, severe threats, and um, I tend not to walk as much. Uh, we do mm-hmm. have better transportation um, mm-hmm. now than we did before. Before, I just had to walk everywhere, and so. Whether it's nighttime, wintertime, whatever, you're a lot more vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing is, uh, I've learned to really shake it off and know mm-hmm. that, um, you know, God, when we pray for help and rescue, uh, I think a lot of times we come from our own preconceived mm-hmm. uh, idea of how God will solve our well, problem. So, mm-hmm. And we say, oh, well, in this situation, God should just get rid of all drugs in Mongolia. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Perimeter Uh of angels around me so that I never get assaulted again. Mm -hmm. Um, But that wasn't how God handled the situation. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was an eye-opening experience to realize, oh, God works in ways that we don't expect. Um, The assaults didn't stop. However, he gave me the tools that I needed to deal with them Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's hard for people to say oh but why on earth would you continue putting yourself in harm's way Um, but God also led me to realize that if I couldn't learn to pity them and Mm -hmm. to really look upon them with compassion it was my heart that was the problem not Mm -hmm. so much the drunks
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: uh, there was one incident um uh, early on in my mongolian tenure the first time where you know in mongolia negative 40 is quite normal for winter and you know negative at negative 40 fahrenheit and celsius are the Ooh. same so if you're confused about that don't be it's just horribly horribly cold <laughs> and again we had to walk everywhere and one time i was walking home and i saw what looked to be a body Mm. near the sidewalk again negative 40 I'm thinking Mm. what on earth and I went over sure enough it was a drunk who had passed out Mm. and um I will confess that my first human reaction was serves him right (laughs) and um and then immediately I felt shame oh but God loves this precious soul too Mm -hmm. There wasn't anything I could do. I thought, you know, he was huge. You know, At mm-hmm. that time, I was, you know, a young, young girl, barely weighed 100 pounds, thinking, how am I going to help this man? I looked around and asked a couple of by, would you please help me? They just looked like, what on earth for? And they just walked off. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if I walk away and leave, this man will die. He will freeze to death, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. And so I, I prayed. I said, Lord, you know, you need to help me literally give me superhuman strength at this time and help me find a way to help this man um in mongolia it's interesting the the manholes you can see where they are because of the steam that comes yes. up, and of oh, yes. homeless people live there because it's warm. warm and um i i was looking for a manhole actually to see if i could put him near that but there was nothing and then i did realize there was an apartment With an entryway and usually the entryway is where the guards live and so it's a little bit warmer than outside and i thought okay lord just help me drag this man over to that entryway and i tried the first couple times i couldn't even budge him he must have weighed maybe twice my weight and i prayed i said lord you know you made me see this man here and you obviously gave me this conscience so i can't walk away so you're gonna have to give me superwoman strength and literally, I prayed, and then inch by inch by inch, I dragged this man over to that entryway, and I, I rolled him inside so that he would not freeze to death. And when I went home, the the first feeling I had was, oh, this is what true victory over Satan feels like. Instead of fearing that man and loathing him and hating him, I did feel pity and compassion. I said, Lord, thank you so much for... Changing my heart and you know it, it just reminded me of the whole song um, and songs created me a new heart. Mm-hmm. and I did feel that God had given me a new heart to be able to truly love those who persecuted me and harmed me to really love my enemies like that verse you mentioned in Luke. Oh
2: that's you know it, it takes a lot of courage um, to be able to to do this and to be able to continue. you couldn't just stay inside and not go anywhere. Uh, well, we so, didn't have zoom back then so it would have been hard to preach <laughs> i'm i'm wondering you know as I'm listening to your story um there are so many missionaries out there working in uh, in in places and uh, situations or in cultures that is so different from theirs what would you say to to missionaries who are confronted with these uh, similar situations, maybe not exactly like yours, but similar situations where they feel ostracized or persecuted in a way, or mm-hmm. inundated by people all around them all the time. What would you say uh, to missionaries in these situations? I think it's hard because there's no
1: one pat little answer that will solve mm-hmm. you know, all issues, particularly since people are faced with such a diverse, uh, you know, uh, realm of problems and challenges depending on where they are. Um, but the the few things that really helped me were number one, to look at them, you know, I hate to say it, but through Christ's eyes, um, mm-hmm. that they are his children too, no matter how unlovable they may seem.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the thieves, <laughs> the ones who use you, Uh, the ones who use the church to try to further their own means, Um, those who literally can physically hurt you and your loved ones too. It's really hard to look at them and say, I need to love this person. You know, how would uh, Jesus want me to treat this person? But um, when we pray for that new heart, it's uh, God keeps his promises. He does give us the renewed heart to look at these people through his own eyes. The other thing is, it's interesting, you can look at the the differences among the cultures as something that can bring you together their opportunities as opposed to challenges it really is how you look at them um, for, for most of those folks in Mongolia that uh, their entire uh, nutritional content was vodka and uh, <laughs> mutton it was really hard to relate but because of that I was able to share a lot about uh, the health message and better eating habits and stuff so you know what, was initially uh, an obstacle became an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that's one way, again, as long as we look at it that way. Mm -hmm. And then the the last uh, little bit of advice that I would give is the same uh, that Brad gave me. The more challenges you have, the more difficulties you face, uh, it's We have to remember it's because Satan realizes just how much good you can do for God in that place. And if he's thinking, oh, I just need to get rid of this person, then I will maintain dominance here. Then that's actually, for us, something to be encouraged about. Wow, Satan is this desperate to get rid of me. Therefore, I must be doing something right. Um, It's hard. It's hard and it's not easy to even... um, Come to that point where you think that way, but when you do, it is it just gives you an immense sense of um, energy and motivation to continue forward.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just want to let you know that we'll be praying for you for your safety and security there where you are, and you so that much. God will continue to give you the strength. As we close, I just want to ask you, what would you like the listeners who will be listening to this podcast to pray for in particular? Okay, I can't give you my whole list, but
1: um, yes, but as everybody is suffering around the world due to the COVID, um, a lot of the plans in Mongolia have come to a complete stall. So it's been discouraging for my staff there in Mongolia. I haven't been able to return yet, still working um, from a distance, and we're hoping to maintain momentum and to prevent people from getting discouraged, you know, mm-hmm. um, I just like to think that even this uh, will be used uh, to glorify God and to, to bring uh, a better outcome. Maybe we needed more time to prepare the school to, to um, make sure we've you know, dotted all our I's and crossed all our T's. But we really would request special prayers for the Gateway Project. That's mm-hmm. the new international academy that we're trying to establish. and that we can uh, continue um, moving forward with it, that the necessary funds will come through, and that the necessary staffing will come through. Mm
2: -hmm. Thank you so much, and um, the Lord bless and keep you. Likewise.
0: I've got so much to take away from this story. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you, Enid. To conclude, please do not forget to take a look at the previous Missionary Story episodes. Links are in the show notes. If you're a family in the mission field, you might want to play a story like this to your family when traveling in the car or for a Friday Vespers. If listening to a story like that was followed by a discussion and prayer, such experiences might as well be stepping stones and the needed support and inspiration for you and your family in your cross cultural ministry. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to the IWM podcast on any of the podcasting apps. If you have any questions how to do this, email me at otta at My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.